You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today on the Atlantic Wire podcast, Michael Tulip. We have a lot to catch up on, and we do. Uh, Mike discusses what he's seen from Illinois in two games without Terrence Shannon, but Mike was a part of teams that had to deal with some off-court issues, losing players due to those. How does a team respond? What is that like for an Illinois basketball player to have to deal with that, and what has impressed him most so far with the Illini's response uh, to this and, and their great play on the court? We also dive into booty ball, what makes it so effective for Illinois, and a huge matchup, top 10 matchup at number one Purdue. Nothing to lose for Illinois, but everything to gain, obviously, as they go to the number one team in the country with a chance to get some separation uh, in the Big Ten race, as Purdue already has one Big Ten loss, Illinois at 2-0. and uh, Not easy, though, against Matt, at Mackey Arena against Zach Eady, Braden Smith, Fletcher Lawyer, but a fascinating matchup that Mike breaks down. And then we didn't plan on this, but we kind of got into a conversation about all the Big Ten basketball venues, uh, what Mike thinks about them. I weighed in a little bit as well, but kind of had a fun conversation that I think you guys will enjoy as well. But let's not delay anymore. Michael Tulip, Line Enquirer basketball analyst, breaks down his thoughts on an eventful week for Illinois basketball. That's next on the Line Enquirer podcast. Get started on your resolutions with Factor so you're ready for the new year. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores, prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, my favorite protein plus, and more. Plus over 55 weekly add-ons, you'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kickstart your resolutions. So forget the frenetic lunch preps and rush dinners factors two minute meals are your secret weapon in the new year fuel up fast with restaurant quality meals all delivered straight to your door so stress less over meal times in the new year factors no prep no mess meals free up time otherwise spend shopping cooking and cleaning up no more wasted time in the kitchen head to factormeals.com slash 50 and use code alini 50 to get 50 percent off that's code alini 50 at factormeals.com slash line at 50 to get 50% off. 
All right, it's time to catch up with Michael Tulip. And, and Mike, we got a lot to catch up about. A, a lot has happened with Illinois basketball during the last couple of weeks. But Happy New Year, Mike. How are you? I'm good, man. Just I'm on the mend. Uh, I think I had flu flu like symptoms, but we're uh, we're powering we're powering through here. You had your Jordan game uh, with the Fairleigh Dickinson game. Just how was that? You know, I, I haven't had a chance to go back and watch it yet, Mike. But I've heard only great uh, positive things about Michael Tulip, BTN analyst. Well, luckily, I didn't have the flu for that game, um, but it was a blast, man. I mean, I, it was a kind of a dream come true. I, when I was at Illinois, I when you're at shoot around, you see the color commentators coming in, and uh, you see them before the game all dressed up, which does not ever feel natural for me. Uh, but it was awesome. Uh, it was kind of everything I, I thought it would be, and and more, and you start to realize when you, you know, when you're working with a network like the Big Ten Network, they really put you in a position to be successful. I mean, Mike Hall, mm-hmm. who I called the game with, was amazing. You got producers in your ears who are just top notch and, you know, put you in the right spots and kind of let you know what's coming down the pipeline. And uh, so it makes for a, a smooth broadcast. And all I cared about on that broadcast was for people that, didn't know it was my first BTN game uh, for them to not know it was my first BTN game. That was the goal was if it didn't sound like a debut, then it was a success. Yeah. Um, do you have like a couple guys you look up to like during your up basketball upbringing of, of analysts that you really like take notes from or, or really enjoy? Yeah. I mean, I think what you realize is everyone is so different and the preparation process for me I watch games differently now because one, you're watching just, hey, schematically this and that, but I, I watch and you can't not listen and really dial into what the color commentators are saying. Like it's it's just kind of ingrained in you now after doing this and really before doing this. But yeah, I mean, Robbie Hummel is someone that, you know, I, I've been able to get closer with and, and I've really confided him in him and in, in different you know, for different things. And, um, but even he has like a different style and, um, LaFonso Ellis has a different style. And, um, you go on, go on down the line, uh, Sean Morris and, um, you know, just settles. I mean, all, everyone, everyone is different in their own right. Bardo mm-hmm. as well. Um, so you kind of have to, yes, draw on some things from different color commentators, but you also have to kind of be yourself and bring your own unique element to it. So that's that's what I'm trying to do, right? There haven't been a ton of opportunities, but um, with those opportunities, if I continue to get them, uh, you know, you hope to continue to grow. I think you'll continue to get them, um, and we can't wait for it. But uh, you were throwing a curveball, Mike, uh, as we all were, right before the Fairleigh Dickinson game is – we learned that Terrence Shannon is suspended indefinitely, charged with rape in Kansas. Um, you've had, you've been a part of teams, Mike, that have had some off the court issues uh, and, and losing players due to off court issues. So I, I'm wondering, from a player perspective, what that has been like for them. I mean, it's obviously all different, different charges, all different things. But how can it impact a team when an important player or any player um, is taken away from you due to off court reasons? Yeah, this this one was a little bit unique, just in the sense of the timing mm-hmm. of it. 
Um, I had a couple teammates that were a couple days after the season. I had a teammate that was in like late February when we were winding down and we weren't going to be in a postseason. I had another teammate that was on an overseas trip. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this it, it's it's a lot, right? And it's a lot to unpack emotionally. Uh, these situations and scenarios can be very layered and sometimes you feel like as a teammate you have information sometimes you feel like you don't have information Uh, but the reality is at the end of the day as a team the season is going to move on with or without you collectively so the focus has to shift to where after that initial shot kind of wears off it's like we got to play basketball and we have to continue to do our jobs and then now that for you know for a guy like Terrence missing a guy like Terrence we can't compound what is already a big loss with more losses on the court because we're not focused on what we have to do and I think that's that's what's been really impressive about this Illinois team these these past two games I was gonna say what's what stood out to you because this has been jarringly great basketball without an all-American Pharaoh uh, Dickinson you take care of you you had 40 point lead at one point uh, Northwestern you just blow off the court and score 96 points against a defense that was really good last year, really limit their offense. What has impressed you about this team's success the last two games without Terrence Shannon? I mean, it's a really talented team. It was when Terrence Shannon was playing. And I don't think that they're doing anything incredibly different. They're just super consistent with the things they were already good at. And that's guarding at a high level. That's playing with that connectivity offensively that's exploiting matchups offensively and then playing with toughness and winning those 50 50 battles and I think all that was on display these last two games and it's a big reason why they really won convincingly in both now there's different elements to uh, the way those two teams played you that I think really lends itself to how this Illinois team wants to play but you took care of business and that's that's a big 10 opponent in Northwestern that you've played some close games with over the years. I mean, that was, you know, go back a year almost to the day, it felt like things were really spiraling Mm -hmm. up in Evanston after that game. Then fast forward, and this looks like a completely different program and team and and the way guys play together and play for each other. So they already had that in place, that connectivity, playing for each other. Like that team last year, if they lost Terrence Shannon – Man, yeah. I, I mean, that would have gotten that would have gotten bad. It would have gotten bad quick. But this team was a little bit more suited because they're older, more experienced, can kind of uh, take on that challenge. And and like I said, they they they've certainly answered the bell. Connected is the key word. Brett Underwood keeps using. Yeah. Mike, to you, what, what does that mean? How do you see it? How do you know it? What is connected? I mean, some of it's intangible. Some of it is you know it when you see it it pops off the screen there's no hesitation a lot of times we see it offensively where you're sharing the ball guys are moving it and I don't see any type of reluctancy offensively on this team and sometimes that comes from hey I'm going to give up the ball to this guy on this one more I'm going to keep feeding him because he's the hot hand because I know if I was in that situation they would do the same for me and then that's how that just that continues to snowball in a positive way and then defensively 
you can, you know, there isn't selfishness defensively where you're so tuned into your assignment. Like I can't mess up my assignment. Uh, I don't care what goes on around me. Guys are willing to offer help. Uh, guys are, are willing to make certain plays on the ball, I think, because they know that they have these, you know, guys that are able to help recover behind them. So all that stuff factors in as well. And when it kind of boils together, you get a performance like you got the other night. Yeah. And then that is I mean, Chris Collins was in that post game press conference like, what do you want us to do? Um, <laughs> now we'll do the film later. Northwestern, that's a really good post trapping team, and they're good zoning up out of this post trap. I, I that was as bad as I've seen them post trap and just miscues defensively. But you got to credit Illinois because the connectivity, the quick decisions they make out of those traps, out of those post traps, and then defensively, that it's what puts you in a bind. One thing I always think of, Mike, is this is a team that's older, right? Probably better suited to deal with this aspect of it. But the spotlight of your program, the outside attention, whether it's media or fans and all the speculation that's out there, like how do they handle that? And what do you think this last week meant for them internally to, to show this on the court? Like they showed something to themselves too, right, without Terrence? Yeah, and I think sometimes teams can be – you know, the good teams can be kind of insulated yeah. from that. Um, social media is a weird place. Sure Especially is. weird uh, over the last week or so. And the really good teams are able to kind of shut that out um, and realize that, you know, the opinions that matter within that locker room. And I say opinions, opinions of what that team can be. Yeah. Opinions of, oh, man, the season's cooked. Right. And being able to to stay focused on, hey, our jobs don't change from game to game. You still have your role. You still have your responsibilities. Now, those may be heightened in certain certain ways. You may have more opportunity like a Justin Harmon. But at the end of the day, like you still have to do what is required. And yeah, I, I mean, the other thing, too, is it's break. Right. Mm -hmm. Is it still break? Yeah. So. Uh, these guys aren't going to classes right and uh so all that all that factors in but again the really good teams are able to to keep that insulated and uh and focus on the task at hand they've done a good job of that all right so we got to talk about booty ball um it's kind of a matchup based offense is what it is but why is it so effective right now mike and, and do you expect any adjustments opponents will make moving forward it's been a bit of a revelation because they weren't doing this in the beginning of the no. year. And you can't do this if you don't have the the proper personnel. And when I say personnel, it's not just – I think we think of personnel in the sense of, hey, guys that can back down. I mean, we thought about booty ball in the sense of Jalen Pickett, but they can't do booty ball if they don't have the guys around Jalen Pickett. Right. If they don't have Andrew Funk, if they don't have Miles Dredd, if they don't have Seth Lundy, what those guys – those those guys are – floor spacers they're shooters Seth Lundy's probably was probably one of the better cutters and like dive cut guys out of post traps and off skip passes so you need to have that personnel uh like I said there's a lot of attention that's on Damask and on Rogers and on Garrier you can't do this if you don't have Coleman Hawkins no. you just can't because one he spaces the floor because of his ability, especially as of late, to shoot the ball. 
But those traps, if they want to send two, cause rotation. And out of those rotations, maybe he catches it and he can drive a long closeout on a more slow-footed five. Or if they want to be in rotation, and now you get into this kind of pinball one more scenario, he's 6'10", he can see over the defense, he can skip passes. Uh, he may see a pass across the floor to guys like Justin Harmon and Quincy Garrier. And so all those pieces have to work together or else everyone would do it. Mm-hmm. They take, you know, they say, hey, who's our kind of biggest guy who can back guys down? Let's play booty ball. If you don't have the guys around, it just it doesn't matter. And also why Damask is so um, potent with it. It's because he can make reads out of it. He can make passes out of it. And then if you want to go single coverage, he can back you down into the paint. And if you follow him, he's almost 90% from the line. And again, that's, that's just like teams. When you, when you go down the list, even in the big 10, you got, your eyes got to be kind of lighten up a little bit. If you're, if you're Illinois, because you go and look, and I, I wrote it down here. Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer, Tyson Walker, Jameer Young, Doug McDaniel, Derek Simpson, Boo Booey. Uh, and the list goes on. I mean, you know, Tommy Naga and Sam Hoiberg. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do? I mean, the, the two options you have when they go into booty ball, and, and they did it in different parts of the court against Northwestern. They really tried to do it in the middle of the floor because that's that's it makes it harder to trap from the middle of the floor. But you either go single coverage and run the risk of a, you know, a Braden Smith, Fletcher Lawyer, Tyson Walker, Jameer Young, Doug McDaniel getting in foul trouble, which you don't want, or you send a post trap. And if you send a post trap, now you got to hope that this Illinois team misses shots, yep. doesn't attack those, those long closeouts and puts you in a bind. <laughs> it's it's really hard to guard, man. Yeah. It's really hard to guard. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Hawkins because he's the key to everything they do, both offensively and defensively. And, and I know we keep having the, why doesn't Dane play more? It's Coleman Hawkins. He's yeah. so dang good. Um, but Quincy Garrier is a part of this as well. And I, one thing I'm noticing more and more, Mike, is Quincy's obviously on an offensive hot streak, the best offensive streak of his career, um, averaging 19 points a game over the last five but also defensively, uh, he just cleans up the glass. Him and Ty Rogers allow Coleman Hawkins to do what he does defensively and compliment him in the glass. But how how much is Garrier complimenting Coleman Hawkins, and how difficult is that front court for the rest of the Big Ten given the versatility of those guys? Well, you talk about the hot streak that Quincy's on, and a lot of times <clears throat> you go back to – you know the the Purdue teams a couple of years ago, even in you know recently as well. When you have post traps and you have guys that are getting quality looks out of those post traps constantly, you get those higher quality looks that lead to higher percentages. And that's that's you know this change to booty ball and the change that's been made over the last I don't know maybe like seven games, six seven games has really coincided with Quincy emerging. Yep. Because he can make those post-entry passes. And at Tennessee, if you want to help from the ball side and trap Coleman Hawkins, it's an inside-out, which is the best three in basketball. Three for a guy that who has been in the mid to you know low to mid-30s in his career and is now kind of creeping into that territory as well because of the quality of looks. But you, you talk about the front court itself. I think you've made the comment before, but, I mean, think about Quincy Garrier on those 
2021, 2022 teams. I I mean, good Lord. And and that tandem of of Quincy and Coleman, they're both versatile on both ends. I think think Quincy, we talked about Ty Rogers and and Terrence Shannon's defense and Coleman Hawkins. Quincy's been fantastic Mm -hmm. on that end this year. And they, you know, they, when Dane's in the game, they'll switch one through four. But they can switch one through four because of Quincy and because he can stay in front and he moves his feet and he knows angles. And I think this front court's a, a bit underrated. I do. When it comes to when it comes to the Big Ten, I I mean, who are who are the ones that I guess who are the ones that you really really look at? Right? Is it Crawl and Wall and e, I guess Edie if you want to slide Edie the scale, by himself, like, yeah, <laughs> Edie and whoever else. But Renew and and Ware I think are are up there as yeah. well. But those each one of those groupings have certain deficiencies, um, whether it's defensively or certain things offensively. They can't space the floor like a, a Coleman Hawkins and a Quincy Garrier. So when you talk about like the complete package on both ends, uh, they're right up there with, yeah. with some of the best front courts in the league. What impresses you most right now about Marcus Domas' skill set? Because the shot can come and go from game to game. We, we've seen that. But – um, I mean, his ability to create offense. He's got 24 assists in, in the last three games, Mike. Um, and, and part of that's going to this booty ball. And we've seen the mid-range just be be so deadly. So when that three-pointer gets going, it's it, it's dangerous. But what impresses you most about what he does? Well, it's unlocked a lot of the skill set that he has. Because I think coming into the season, you're like, hey, you know, he can make reads and he's a good passer. Is he a catch-and-shoot guy? And if he was solely limited to being a catch-and-shoot guy, that hasn't been a strength this year for him. And this other element of his game and what they've gone to, one of his best skills is the pace that he plays with. I mean, he just – he's not sped up. He gets you on his hip. He goes where he wants to go, when he wants to go there. And, you know, I I think the array – of moves that he has, even when he gets to those back downs, the, you know, kind of the up and unders, the pivots, the kind of leaners, the fadeaways that he had, we saw that early and it's just kind of evolved for him. And now you have, because he's in these booty ball situations, they're getting to the bonus quicker. He's getting fouled more. He's, you know, whatever he is, 95% in the month of December. Um, yeah. Can I throw this stat at you, Mike? Yeah, thirty-two percent of his shots are coming on two-point jumpers, and he's making sixty-four percent of them. The next highest on the team of like guys who are regulars, it's Rogers and Garrier at forty-three percent. So it tells you yeah. how effective he is. And now a ninety percent free throw shooter as well. No, it's insane, and it's it is about you know as efficient as you can be offensively. And now, when if the three-point jumper comes along as well, look out. But yeah, no, you're totally right. I mean, look from November to December. November to December. November, he was averaging four two-point attempts a game. December, he's averaging eight, mm-hmm. nine. And for a guy that doesn't have it going offensively from three, he's getting it in a different way. And he, he's he's just as effective without a three-point shot right now. Yeah. I think teams are still kind of wary of it because he's, he's proved over his career that he can do it. But, man, we'll see how teams start to guard the booty ball stuff with with Damask because like I said you have one of two options you either go single coverage and they put you in a bind maybe they start trapping some of those pistol 21 actions that they're running where it's just simply hey 
two-man who's in the corner come up and set a reverse ball screen, get the switch and go on Martinelli, on Barry, on Bowie? Um, do they start trapping that? Do they start just trying to fight over and keep matchups? Um, it'll be fascinating to see how, how, they, how they handle that. But what I do trust is the fact that no matter how they handle that, Marcus makes the right play. And he can make the read out of it. He can pass out of it. He can go to work in isolation. Uh, on pregame radio before that game, uh, Scott Beatty asked me, he said, hey, who's this? Who's the guy late game? You know, it was Io and it was Terrence. And who's the guy that can go and make a play? I think it's Marcus Damask. Yeah. I mean, I think he's so good in isolation and with, with certain matchups that that's something you can go to late game. And that's that's another, uh, you know, add that to the arsenal for this Illini offense. We knew Terrence Shannon out. Everybody had to elevate their game. Uh, we know Gary A. Hawkins and Domask have done that. But the two guys that clearly were going to have to elevate it were Ty Rogers and Justin Harmon. Uh, Harmon was a Division One leading scorer last year. He's starting to show it, Mike. What what have, what's impressed you most or what excites you most about Justin Harmon's last two games of, what, 38 points here? I mean, if you ask why he's emerged, it's opportunity. Yeah. Uh, he's had a history as a scorer, and the role that he's in right now accentuates his skill set. He's a good catch-and-shoot guy. He's a good slasher. And when you play these back-down booty ball rotation trap scenarios, that leads to more catch-and-shoot opportunities and more slashing and straight-line drives out of those rotations. That is Justin Harmon's game. Mm -hmm. And so... That has certainly helped. Um, and I've just really been in, impressed with the way that he's taken ownership of the defensive end as well. And that that is big because if you can tell with Brad Underwood, he don't want to put anyone out there that can't guard. And I don't really think he cares who you are. So you have to be able to accept that challenge, and, and there's no question that Justin's done that. Last three games for Ty Rogers, 6.7 points, 9 rebounds, 3.3 assists, uh, shooting 44%, shooting 86% from the free throw line, by the way. Small sample size, but he's been a better free throw shooter. Is he doing things here, Mike? Have you noticed that he's become more aggressive since he started making free throws? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, he is much more of a confrontational driver. He's not avoiding contact like I thought he was earlier in the years. There's less kind of... Uh, get around of like I don't want to go to the free throw line now he's like shit I'm making free throws <laughs> I'm going through your chest I mean there was the 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 um he got he got fouled in the northwestern game and he looked like he had nowhere to go in that first half and he was kind of dribbling into two guys but he just continued to muscle his way through them and eventually a foul was called man when you feel like you can make free throws and go and get some easy ones from the free throw line that changes everything and I thought he's he was already an aggressive player, but aggressive in certain spots. Now he's aggressive all around on drives, getting to the basket. Um, and I think he does probably as good a job as anybody on this team of just high-pointing uh, rebounds no. and, and going and, and snatching offensive rebounds and defensive rebounds. And uh, it is – it jumps off the screen. He's He's been – just like we talked about Coleman Hawkins, how you can't do – what you do if you don't have you know what they do if they don't have Coleman Hawkins they can't do what they do if they don't have Ty Rogers because if you if you traded Ty Rogers for a guy that was more like me 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 offensively mm -hmm. it makes you more stagnant you you probably don't have as much connectivity 
he goes into every game and, and the value that he has is his consistency. It's the same guy. Every single game, you know exactly what to expect. And that's a coach's dream because <laughs> there's no laying in bed like, man, what Ty Rogers are we going to get tomorrow night? Um, same guy every game. That's huge. He's nine of his last 11 from the free throw line. And if you go back even further, he's 13 of his last 17. So that you'll take that for an entire season from Ty Rogers. That's damn good for a 38% free throw shooter last year. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. All right, Mike. I didn't know if we'd still be excited about this game a week ago when, when the news broke, but top 10 matchup between number one, Purdue, number nine, Illinois, the Atlanta heading to Mackey Arena. They've never beaten a number one on the road, but I just find this matchup, this basketball matchup, fascinating because it's contrasting styles. What do you think? Uh, of this matchup well the first thing you can't do is use the transitive property um and say all right well beat northwestern by 30 northwestern beat purdue it's not how basketball works <laughs> that's not happening in Mackey. yeah yeah and it's not and that game wasn't in Mackey arena but look there's so much focus on zach ed as there should be i mean he's at the point where i you look at some of the most recent mock drafts he's in the lottery in some of these I mean, it's it's a down draft, but I think he's earned that. I think he's he's unique. He's not just tall. Um, he, he there are a lot of uh, matchup issues that he creates. There's no question, but uh, it's these other guards too. And this Purdue team is at their absolute best when Braden Smith and and Fletcher Lawyer are, are at their best. Um, you go back to even the Maui Invitational and Braden Smith, 18 and five in that championship game against Marquette. Uh, they played against Tennessee the game before and Fletcher Lawyer had 27 points and shot 11 free throws. Uh, and, and part of that is the way that Edie's guarded. So, you know, what's, what's your coverage against him? Do you just say, Hey, we're going to trap like every other team does. Now, is that trap on the catch? Is it on the dribble? Um, you know, because if you are going to trap, that's going to leave these guys open. Uh, that's going to leave Braden Smith free. That's going to leave Fletcher Lawyer free uh, for not only jump shots, but for those. I think Fletcher Lawyer is a really good straight line driver, and he can finish in weird ways and unorthodox ways. So you have to be able to limit those two guys. Um and, and I think that's not only from the standpoint of, hey, how do we guard Edie and what does that do for Lawyer and Smith? You got to go at Lawyer and Smith defensively or when you're on offense. And that is booty ball. That is hunting those matchups. 
and trying to make them work on that end. Maybe you get Braden Smith into foul trouble. Maybe you get, maybe you get Fletcher Lawyer into foul trouble. Now, Lance Jones is a, is a guy that they've added this year that I think is an upgrade from a Brandon Newman. I think he's just he's a really good defender. He can do things offensively as well. Uh, so there's not as much drop-off when it goes to the Purdue bench because they have older guys with Ethan Morton and, and, and Lance Jones. Uh, but Smith and, and Lawyer also stir that drink. There's, there's no question. So how you guard them, how you guard Edie, it's all going to be a factor, but you better believe that Matt Painter, who's one of the best tacticians in, in college basketball, he's going to have something. He's going to have something for this Illinois team, and we'll see how they adjust. Yeah, I, I would imagine there's probably three contenders for Big Ten Coach of the Year, and it's far too early. Uh, Painter, Underwood, Greg Gard, I, I think are going to be the three that are going to be in that mix. Um but outside of just making shots, you have to make shots at a high level uh, to, to escape. What is the blueprint to a win? Is it letting Edie cook and, and just stopping everybody else? Like, if you're Brad Underwood, what is your blueprint? What is your game plan? Yeah, it's what's fascinating about Purdue. You, uh, they haven't been out-rebounded this year. Not one time. Xavier was the one team that tied them on the glass, and they, they won that game convincingly anyways. And then you have a game like Northwestern where Northwestern gets out-rebounded by 25. and uh, But Purdue turns the ball over 17 times, and Northwestern turns it over three times. Uh, and then Northwestern makes five more threes. So they got that back in different ways. You cannot go into Mackey and turn the ball over like you did last year yeah. to start that game and spot them eight points, get down 8 nothing, get down 21-6. to six. You just – you that's a death wish you can't do it um so what's your effort like on the glass uh this is the best illinois best rebounding team in the country on on you know by sheer numbers you know defensive rebounds uh they're the best offensive rebounding team in, in the big 10 uh when it comes to to straight numbers so what's your effort like on the glass can you steal some there uh can you take care of the ball in just a ruckus Environment. Uh, it's one of the best environments in, in college basketball. Uh, and then you, you see where the chips fall from there. Because, uh, again, in wins last year, Zach Eady was, I think, 23-12. and 12. In losses last year, Zach Eady was 23-12. and 12. Right. So he's going to do what he does. How do you limit him and how do you limit the guys around him? That's, that, that's really what this, this comes down to. And then – what type of effort do you come and play with? The last point that I'll make is I'm glad that this is the game after Northwestern yeah. because, you know, you have a 30 point win. Everyone's saying, Oh, final four is back on <laughs> uh, big 10 championships back on. Um, and how do you handle that as a team? Cause if this was, Hey, we're, we're going to one of the more middling opponents. Uh, we're going to Nebraska. Now this next game, we're going to, um, Michigan, right? I, I'd probably be even more worried because that is that screams letdown. You could, you have all the motivation in the world to come into this game, try to get the first number one, you know, win against a number one on the road and in, in program history, beat a team like Purdue, who you're two and zero right now in the conference. They already have a loss, and all these these wins right here matter. If you want to go and take home a Big Ten crown, this is it. I know it's early January, but these 
these ones matter just as you know January 5th March 5th doesn't matter they are they're all the same yeah uh the one thing about this team Mike uh and, and we keep making and it's a real point last year you never knew what you're going to get uh, out of that team the inconsistency of it this team I, I watched the rest of the Big Ten and I'm like Illinois and Purdue and I think Wisconsin is this way too they're just trustworthy. Like I, I trust this team that they're going to show up. That they're they might not make shots and they might lose a game. But like I, after seeing Missouri and after seeing, of course, the last two games, this team is so focused and they're they're confident. Like I, I just they are doing the right things, and I think the consistency of it is why Brad Underwood loves this team. Uh, but why I'm confident they'll go into Purdue and and they might lose because they might not make shots or they'll turn it over or whatever, may not execute. But I feel like they're going to bring it every game. Yeah, we talked about this after the Kansas scrimmage. And yeah. even after Marquette, there were certain – I saw people talking about like, oh, it's just the same team as last year. I said, how does this team make you feel? Yeah. Because there's a feeling as a viewer and when you're watching that is different than last year. Last year was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, they made the step back three. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Jeez, all right. All right, now we've – oh, God, they just got down 15. Oh shoot! That now they're pressing. They're back into it. it you just you, ne- you to your point. Didn't know what to expect this year. You talked about Illinois, Purdue, and Wisconsin. What do those three teams have in common? Trustworthy for sure. Older. Yep. And 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 honestly, I'll add a I'll add a, another part to that. Their personnel makes sense. I look around the Big Ten, and <laughs> Indiana. Indiana <laughs> there's there's elements of Michigan. Yeah. It's they don't. It doesn't make sense. Some of those pieces just don't make sense. Uh, and and these three teams at the top of the Big Ten have done a great job of not only going out, getting the the right personnel for for what you want to do, but those roles have been identified and they've been identified early. There's some there's some Big Ten teams that I think are going to come along as the season goes on. Like I think Michigan State's going to find a way to um, turn things around. They're already kind of doing that with the absence of, of Joey Hauser. But yeah, no, you're right. This is a, a trustworthy group and trustworthy in the sense of not only on the court during the game, but game to game. Yeah. How do they handle, you know, moving on and, and playing this next opponent after a big win? I've said it before. That's what made that um, the Trent Frazier, Io DeSumo era uh, so strong and consistent is because they were on those guys. I mean, I, you could hear it coming out of the locker rooms. Just, hey, we don't care. We don't care who you are. Bottom of the Big Ten, top of the Big Ten, we're coming for you. And it's not a game by game. Hey, let's just pull these different levers. Hey, we can only give – we'll give a little bit of this just because it's, it's you know, Penn State or it's Nebraska or it's – no, it is it is who is next on our schedule. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that 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 is a big, big deal because it means you have mature leaders in your locker room. And they seem pretty locked into the scouting report. I think that uh, definitely shines through compared to, to last year at times. Uh, before I let you go, Mike, I want to ask you, as a guy who's been at all these venues, where's Mackie rank among the Big Ten for you? One. Yeah. Just, I, I mean, Fifteen years of, ago, I fifteen years ago, I never thought anyone could beat Assembly Hall in Indiana because of the two walls of people, the acoustics yeah. there. They're crazy about basketball. Purdue over the last decade, but especially the last five years, is has just taken the cake. Yeah, I mean, and and I say one from the from the standpoint of how loud it gets, for sure. There's, it's unique because there's like the almost concrete slash like brick walls 
on the sides and like over by your your bench so i think noise kind of gets trapped down there um indiana is up there as well i mean i was shoot i was sitting right there when indiana made 19 threes on us <laughs> beat us by 30 in 2016 mm-hmm. uh on their way to a big 10 regular season title uh and and, and yeah i think every arena in, in a sense i mean iowa gets Iowa gets loud too. Yeah. That's like one bowl. There's there's not like a deviation in, in sections. It is just like you walk in and it is straight down. It's just a pit. Mm-hmm. And and that place gets gets loud as well. Michigan State, I think for for people that haven't been there, uh the one thing that struck me when I uh went there my freshman year, it's smaller than you think. Yeah. And part of that is like the camera angle during the game the ones that are higher up make it seem like it's a really large arena and i got there i was like gee i mean baylor just unveiled this new arena that camera angle looks like they're on mars but when you see the actual inside of the arena it's it's a really small arena so um but but the state farm center is up there too sure um that place gets loud so I don't know. Especially I mean, for a big see. game. Like if it's a big like yeah. next week I, I know Michigan State's struggling a little bit, but that's that's gonna feel big. I know it's still kind of a, a break game, but when Iowa comes to town, when Purdue comes to town, like Illinois fans definitely make that one of the better venues. Dude, when when they had those comebacks against Michigan and Northwestern last year. Oh yeah. And that you could see it was just mounting and mounting and mounting, and then they kept building to this crescendo of tying or taking the lead it was just pandemonium it was mm-hmm. crazy um so I mean, that's what's great about this league is you know game in and game out there's just really great venues and arenas and um fans in general like i think nebraska's done a really good job yeah. over the past few years um yeah, that was that was one where when I when I came in my freshman year, they had a totally different arena, and then my sophomore year was they had an all new one, and that is probably my favorite arena, just from like aesthetically. I mean, it is a beautiful yeah arena that uh, whole they did a that really, whole really good that job. whole campus of you know Memorial Stadium football for them, and then that uh, Pinnacle Bank like it's just gorgeous like the Haymarket District awesome place to visit if you're a fan yeah they did they did a really good job with, with that one and and their fans are their fans are right behind you and those 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 are the best ones when those yeah. fans are right on top of you uh, and that, that Mackie is no exception because those they're hanging right over you yeah uh by the bench i don't know if wisconsin's like it's kind of like a mini united center to me like the aesthetic might not be as great like i love williams arena in minnesota i just love that feel of it um but like that's not an easy place to play when you were playing, Mike, because those teams were pretty loaded. Yeah, well, they're really good teams, and then yeah. those those arenas are just – their strength is their uniqueness. Um, Wisconsin, it's the coldest arena I've ever played in. <laughs> I mean, it is uh, – dude, like you – especially if it's like – we had so many noon tip-offs there, I think two or three in my career there, and you go there and you're like, gosh, like you can't do a shoot-around in the morning because it's – a noon tip off and you got to get there early and warm up because you feel like your hands are frozen. Your feet are frozen. They're used to it. They it, practice in there. Yeah, They got the ice it, underneath there, right? Just like United center. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just like the United center. So, uh, and then, and then Williams arena as well. 
in the barn is <laughs> super weird. You're just, you're elevated. You're, uh, you know, hope to God you don't die for a loose ball on the baseline. Um, man, it's, it's, I could talk about the arenas for days, man. I'm at Northwestern. I, I love going there. I love they've the done a good job Again, I love that really field. good job. Yeah. Um, that, that place when I was there early on, I, I think it was pretty much the same throughout the course of my career there. They had like gray seats. It was just, it just wasn't a great arena. And now they've kind of revamped it. They got a new scoreboard, Jumbotron. Uh, the seats look different. Um, and it helps too that you're winning games. Yeah. Um, now, I think where Northwestern can take that next step as a, uh, as a fan base is, man, I watched what that crowd looked like when Purdue came to town. And I watched what that crowd looked like when Chicago State came to town. I mean, there was no one in the gym. Mm -hmm. And at least for for Illinois and for some of these other schools, when you have a good team, it's not just about the good matchups. Yeah. You want to go and watch the good team. It doesn't matter who the good team is playing. I mean, I FDU, I was there the other night, and we were talking about it on the broadcast. So I'm looking around. I mean, you're, you're All-American is out. Um, you're playing FDU. And that thing was almost full, man. So it's it's – can see man it's it's different in different parts for sure yeah like i'd i'd prefer a northwestern minnesota venue something unique compared to like uh michigan and ohio state kind of just nba style arenas the yeah ohio state's too big yeah that's yeah and i i think every time you go in there it is so definitely nba style because at the baselines it it flows out and not up yep um so and I just – I don't think they have a great atmosphere. I mean, I was watching the Rutgers game last night, and there were people on Twitter like, God, is it is a church service and in the shot? So they have to get that figured out for sure. Michigan, very, like, pristine yes. arena. Clean. Even the, the visiting locker room is the best visiting locker room, I think, in, in the Big Ten. I mean, they have – you know when you go into an arena and if it's your home locker room, you have, like, the office chairs mm -hmm. and stuff? Um, they have office chairs for the uh, for the opposing team. They have wooden, like tall lockers. Like when you walk into their um, shower area, it's all glass. <laughs> Beautiful. I mean, it's 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 Pristine. crazy for an for an opposing locker room. You go to Minnesota. I mean, it is. You are in a 1920s bathroom. <laughs> it's about three feet wide and goes about ten feet deep, and there's one little whiteboard. And you're just in there. It is. It's nuts. Um, Iowa is super small too, uh, but yeah. It's. I mean, some of these teams could benefit. I think Ohio State could benefit from playing in a smaller arena. They've done it a few times. They've gone and played at the old one. Yeah. Um, and you said. I don't know. You said some of these are cold. The rack I hear is hot, humid. Dude, the rack smells like <laughs> bus fumes. I, I, it's I Jersey man. The one game that I had at the rack because Rutgers came into the conference my junior year and we didn't play them there until my senior year. And um, yeah, it was a triple overtime game. Mm -hmm. And I was red shirting. So I was in like, like dress clothes and it was like, felt like it was 98 degrees. Shout out Nick Lachey, there you go. Uh, 98 degrees the Mad Morgan game, arena. And I don't know what was going on. If they parked buses right outside or something, it was just like fumes. Like you just smelled, fumes and like i'm sitting there i'm like 
I want us to win, but can this game end? I mean, this is crazy. I mean, it was – we got to the third overtime. It was like 126 to 118, and there's all these – it's just – yeah, it's a wild place to play. But it gets loud as well. Yeah. Well, Mike, I think we covered it all there. That was a fun yeah, conversation so. about the the venues there. But um, if people want more, Michael Tulip will have the film room up shortly. Mike, uh, thanks as always. We'll catch up next week uh, as we learn more about this team with Purdue this weekend and, of course, Michigan State and Maryland next week. Appreciate you, man. I appreciate you. Great stuff as always from Michael Tulip. And if you want more of them, I'm telling you, the film room is must-watch stuff. We just recorded our film room for the Northwestern game. Mike breaks down booty ball, breaks down the defense. Why are they so connected, especially breaking down Coleman Hawkins and what made him so good in that game. But it is must-see. I learn something all the time uh, with Michael Toop and his VIP film rooms. And if you're not a VIP member, it's just $1 for your first month. So give us a try, and Michael Toop's film rooms will be worth it for the next month for that dollar. I guarantee you that. But great stuff, as always, from Mike, breaking all that down. And we got a big one at Mackey Arena on Friday night. Derek Piper, Joy Wagner, and I will all be there. Uh, one of the most intense environments in college basketball and the best team so far in college basketball this year. But Illinois has played like one of the best teams over the last month, and we'll see if they can continue to do that without Terrence Shannon against their toughest opponent yet. And that's saying something, given they've had Fort Atlantic Marquette already on the schedule and Tennessee. So uh, another tough one, but this team has showed up in, in all those games. We'll see if they execute well enough to pull off what would be a monumental upset. You know, last I checked, Illinois has not beaten a number one team on the road. Last time they did play a number one, though, in 2013, they beat Indiana. Uh, some of their other number one victories they've done three times includes beating Michigan State in 1979, Eddie Johnson with the game winner over Magic Johnson and the Spartans. And then in 2005, as D. Brown, Darren Williams, Luther Head, Roger Powell, James Augustine just blew out Chris Paul and the number one Demon Deacons early in that season. So. We'll see if we get uh, another monumental moment. But it's just going to be a fascinating match between two really, really, really good Big Ten teams. And Illinois remains that, looks like, even without their All-American player right now. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Illinois Enquirer podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review wherever you get your podcasts. You can check out all our interviews, all our podcasts on YouTube as well. So give us a follow there. Subscribe to us. Hit the notifications bell. That really helps us out with your support there. And always go VIP for $1 at Alana Enquirer. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Alana Enquirer podcast. Bye, everybody. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.